electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with CEOs, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, recorded at CNBC's live events. Today, a conversation about tough conversations. We're talking negotiation tactics with Chris Voss, the founder and CEO of the Black Swan Group, and a former kidnapping and hostage negotiator for the FBI. He joined us at CNBC's Small Business Playbook event on August 12, 2020, and gave our audience some practical advice for conducting the kinds of negotiations that business owners are faced with right now, with landlords, employees, customers, creditors, and more. My colleague, CNBC's Deidre Bosa, spoke with him. Take a listen. Negotiation tactics are needed in everyday life, but particularly now amid the pandemic for small business owners, um, when they have to have a lot of scary negotiations, maybe they shouldn't be scary, you tell us that, but negotiating rent with creditors, um, landlords, suppliers, etc. Start us off by just saying, what do you think is unique about this moment? What do you need to keep in mind when you're negotiating amid a pandemic when everything is just so uncertain? Yeah, well, I like action. So, you know, I hate inaction. I hate inertia. And what the pandemic is doing to us now is it's requiring us to make decisions. It's requiring us to move forward. Um, if we if we move forward with it, we can move forward in some great places. We can think about who we really want to be in relationships with, business partnerships. I mean, who's really good for us? You know, there's some tough decisions to make, but Think about who you want to be with on the other side of the pandemic. And those are the people you want to collaborate with now. How do you prioritize that, particularly when there are so many things, maybe in a typical environment, you're negotiating one or two key things, but everything is thrown into question. Where do you even start? Yeah, well, uh, and that's a great question because everything is being renegotiated now. I mean, literally, literally there isn't. If you, if somebody that you're doing business with, hasn't called you yet to renegotiate, they're going to. So the first question after you start thinking about how, you know, how productive has the collaboration been with my, this person so far, this business partner, my landlord, do I like living here? Uh, do I want, have they treated me well? Um, and then just have a sense for that. That's not going to be make up your mind essentially. But then when you talk with them, when they talk with you, you know, get a feel for, are they renegotiating with you? Cause they can, because they have to, or is it a combination of the two? But it's going to be largely either they have to or they can. Now, the person who's renegotiating with you because they can, because now this is an opportunity, look, don't bend with those people. They don't have your interests in mind um, because they're picking on you because the environment's giving them a chance to do so. Now, now how, do you, how do you figure that out? You know, on the negotiation skills my company teaches, the Black Swan Method, First of is just sort of like hearing it out. What's your gut instinct telling you? Um, your gut instinct might be telling you from their approach that they're not under a lot of pressure. 
how do you handle that? You say, yeah, sounds like you're not backed into a corner right now. It's interesting how if you feed back to somebody about what they're not feeling, what you're guessing they're not feeling instead of what they are, you get a different response. Sounds like you're not up against a wall. They're either going to say, oh, yeah, no, 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 we are. Or they're going to say, yeah, no, not that bad. So it's a sort of a reverse way to get some good information out of them to let you know who they are in that instance. You're talking about one of your principles, and that is having empathy for the other side. Is that correct? And, I mean, that can be a difficult thing to do on under normal circumstances, right? See the other side. But in a pandemic, when everyone has their own stories and likely their own set of issues, that can become more difficult. How do you navigate that? Yeah, great question. In, in finite terms or in specific details or granular terms, as some people would say, yeah, you don't really know what the information is, but you you got a pretty good, you got a rough guess uh, what they're dealing with now without even talking to them. You, you know that a lot of people are under pressure. You know landlords are under pressure. You know bills have not gone away because that's what put, is putting pressure on you. Your bills haven't gone away. You know that whatever business they're in, if their business thrives on, uh, if it's a restaurant and it thrives on people, people being able to get together in person, they're under some serious pressure. And there's not a lot of duplication for what they could do. They, they still have to be in that restaurant. They can only have to have fewer people in it. But if it's a business that can be done online, well, they're, they're in the midst of a shift. They're not in the midst of being shut down. They're shifting. So you get a, a rough idea of what they're going through. And empathy really is, let, let's change the definition from common use. Common use is sympathy, agreement, or compassion. Let's make it the mercenary's def- definition. Just understanding what pressure they're under and then taking an educated guess on your information on what that is, articulating it, saying it out loud. And it's something as simple as, wow, sounds like you're really backed into a corner right now. That's a simple empathy statement. I'm sure you've come across in your experience um, that people who don't want to budge or people who, you know, may not show their hands, may not be immediately obvious where to be empathetic towards them. What do you do in those kinds of situations? Here's a great magic question to ask up front because we want everybody to be real careful of the word why. Uh, Why causes people to be defensive. Uh, So there's one limited instance when that serves you, and that's when why do they want to deal with you? You know, why do you you want to stay in business with me? It's a legitimate question. Now, why are you renegotiating? But, you know, why would you want to be in business with me when this crisis is over? That's a great, the only time that you should ask somebody why, because why triggers defensiveness. Every other time you need to know why, you should say, well, you know, what's causing this instead of why are you doing it? But now we refer to this as proof of life. Is there a deal here that works for you with them? That's from the kidnapping days. You know, is there a deal? Is a hostage alive? Is a relationship alive? Is it going to thrive? Ask them why they want to deal with you. That's going to begin to immediately tell you what kind of a negotiation you're in. Are you in there with a mercenary who's trying to cut your throat? Or are you in there with someone who wants to be with you for the long haul? Really great questions already from our audience and real-life examples. Um, v. Jeevans asks, someone walks into my store without a mask. How can I negotiate with them when it's a county mandate and not my policy? What would you do in that scenario, Chris? Very touchy one. 
All right, so what, what's causing someone to not want to wear a mask, wear a mask these days? We know, what, we know exactly why. They feel like it's infringing on their freedom. Uh, they feel like it's infringing on their rights. They feel like wearing a mask is a political statement. Well, the definition of empathy is to know where the other side's coming from. So somebody walks in without a mask, you could say, look, it looks to me like your freedom's really important to you. Looks to me like you don't want to be constrained. Looks, looks to me like you feel really backed into a corner by this whole mess. That's going to catch them off guard. You're the first person that hasn't argued, who said anything that hasn't argued with them. Now, then what do you do? You follow up like, is it ridiculous for me to want to look out for you as much as I want to look out for myself? How can we feel comfortable with each other if I think a mask is important and you don't? What you want to do is you want to leave the decision-making in the other person's court, so to speak, but really frame them in a way where they got to make a choice between options. You know, one definition of confrontation is a focus comparison. You don't want to be confrontational, but you want to give them a focus comparison between safety and freedom. And in your store, you're leaning towards safety because you want to be with your customers for a long time. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get to some more practical questions. Uh, this is another great one. Benjamin Ritter asks, how do you negotiate price without impacting their perception of value? That's a great one. How do you, for example, negotiate with a landlord and make sure that they're not going to be worried that if they give you some kind of break or a deal, that's he or she is going to lose value on that property? Yeah, well, you know, um, if we want more value, Price and value are really two separate things. Like buy, my belief is that you should never you should never give in on price, and that's predicated on the uh, presumption that whatever your product is, it's a good and valuable service. So you're not cheating somebody to begin with. You know, when com- people in my company, when we're coaching a black swan method, our presumption is that you have integrity and that you have a valuable product that's more than worth the price. So that's where we're coming from. This is not for somebody selling snake oil. If, they, if they're worried about the price, they're really worried about the value. So with a landlord, a landlord values, I'm here to tell you I've been a landlord in the past. A landlord values a tenant that keeps the place clean, doesn't bust the place up, and pays their rent. Uh, a tenant values a landlord that's responsive to requests. When I was a landlord, I would have been happy to not raise a rent on a tenant that paid their bills on time, didn't didn't kick holes in the walls, and kept the place clean. So what's it about? It's about a relationship where both sides are delivering on their, their promise that they made at the very beginning. And then the other side's going to give you some latitude. So if I'm negotiating with my landlord, I'd say, again, it's the, the not sort of label that, you know, sounds like something's not valuable to you. I'd say, sounds like it doesn't matter to you that I always pay my rent on time. And say it not as an accusation, 
because tonality is the magic of the hostage negotiator. That's how we get terrorists to not get mad at us. Great tone of voice. You can use that in your negotiations. You can do the late night FM DJ voice or, you know, the genuinely curious voice. Sounds like it didn't matter to you that I always paid my rent on time. That's not an accusation. That's genuine curiosity. That helps your, your words land without having land softly, without having them land like a slap in the face. And that must be so much more important, the tonality of your voice, because, you know, under different circumstances, you could have a face-to-face conversation, right? So what do you lose when it has to be over the phone or after Zoom where you have an echoing voice <laughs> um, or another situation where you just can't be there in person? I mean, what do you gain or what do you lose in that scenario? Well, you know, I think if you just, if you're willing to slow down, if you're willing to slow things down, it actually accelerates the overall interaction. You know, I had a, when I was an FBI agent, we had a trial in New York. We had a great judge, Michael Mukasey. He used to say, we're going to slow things down in order to save time. And everybody would be like, oh, yeah, wow, that's a great idea. If slowing it down is going to save time, we don't mind. So it's, it's all in how you, you pitch it. And, it. and in reality, if you slow your conversations down, you'll have fewer overall because you won't be spinning your wheels and there'll be fewer misunderstandings. You'll be more effective and you'll save time. So if it's got to be over the phone, you know, just slow down a little bit. Uh, focus a little bit more on making sure you heard the other side out. Yeah, they're going to be uncomfortable because they're not a person either. There's something about being in person, it has a certain special feel to it. You can make up for it by simply slowing things down when you're on Zoom or whether you're on the phone. That's a great tip. Um, I want to get to another audience question um, from David Hundley. It's an interesting one. How do you handle negotiations between genders? And I think that also raises the question, uh, should there be a difference? I added in that last part, Chris. Yeah, well, with good negotiations, it doesn't make any difference. Um, great, great. Yeah, bad negotiations, it, it might be a problem, but, you know, that's that's going to run into a problem is one of the two people being too assertive, too, too blunt, too pushy. Uh, is one of the two people completely focused on the relationship when the other person is completely focused on the transaction? Uh, which if you're for really top-tier negotiators, they focus on the transaction and the relationship because they realize that the relationship has to be there to make the implementation of the transaction smooth. So, I, you know, you run into problems between genders when one or both are not particularly adept at negotiation. I, we have found, in point of fact, in learning our negotiation strategy, the black swan method, women pick up faster than men do. I can't explain what causes that. I could, uh, I could speculate on it. But women tend to pick it up faster than men do. It's about relationship, long-term relationships, long-term success. Uh, societally, maybe women are more encouraged to focus on the relationship. I don't know. But I do know that women happen to pick up this style of negotiation faster than men do. But at the top tier, it doesn't make any difference. Another um, great question just came in from Cesar Rivera. How do you negotiate with a narcissistic person that makes all points of negotiation personal and ties their ego 
to every decision made in a negotiation. I imagine that's got to be the toughest kind. And you've probably had experience with these kinds of people. Where do you even start? If their ego's tied to the points, then all I got to do is tie their ego to the points that I want. You know, it's more about you getting out of your own way. A narcissist is offensive. They are so self-centered and so self-involved that they set us off. Well, you know, that's triggering negative reactions on us. And the thing that we really learned about emotions in negotiations, it's not emotions that are bad for negotiations, it's negative emotions. If somebody punches your buttons, it's your negative emotions that are getting triggered. And when your negative emotions are getting triggered, you're actually dumber. When you're in a positive mindset, you're 31% smarter than you are in a negative mindset. 31%. I got a question. So if you are speaking to this person who has a large ego, you want to play into that ego? Are you kind of just like massaging their ego to get what you want? Empathy is adapting to the perspective of the other person. The definition of empathy is not layering in your ego to make them see your point of view. That is not empathy. Empathy is... Where is the other side coming from? Let me identify where they're coming from, and then let me use that. Uh, some people once say negotiation is the art of letting the other side have your way. Well, yeah, you got to get out of you get your ego out of the way in order to do that. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. To be practical... How do you negotiate your rent down? Let's say that we're not the landlord. I think you explained that side a little bit. But if you're the one who's renting, where do you go from? And I loved your example with the mask because you sort of told me exactly what you would say in that scenario. Well, let me give you a real life example of one of our clients that the landlord was recently raising a rent on her. I don't know if it's a coincidence that it was a woman that applied this technique, but a lot of our examples have to do with women. So she sat down with a landlord. And what are the landlord's reasons for raising the rent? The landlord is saying to themselves, look, my taxes are going up. My bills are going up. I got bills to pay. I got a mortgage to pay. Now, the important part of a negotiation is when the word but is about ready to come out of your mouth, you should shut up and letting dynamic silence work for you. So the, the, the tenant said to the landlord, look, you feel like you need to raise my rent because your bills are not going away. Your taxes are not going away. Your taxes are going up. Your utility bills are not going away. Your utilities are going up. You're under no shortage of pressure yourself. And then she shut up. 
She didn't try to make her case at all. And here's exactly what happened with the landlord. The landlord said, yeah, but if keeping you as a tenant requires that I not raise your rent, you've been a good tenant, I'm not going to raise your rent. The tenant never pitched her point of view at all. The first move is to completely state the other side's reasons for them and then shut up. How often does it work the way it worked for this woman in this negotiation? What difference does it make? If it works 1% of the time, let me pull that 1% off the table. I can always make my value pitch afterwards. But if I can make any percentages of my deals make themselves for me just by articulating the other side's perspective and their reasons and their justification, I'm willing to take those off the table. It saves me a massive amount of time. I like that because it feels counterintuitive by just repeating something back to someone instead of trying to make all these arguments that you may have built up. Sometimes the best thing to do is just sort of let silence speak for itself. Um, And that goes also to one of your sort of negotiation tips, and that's the power of no. One of our producers said she heard you speak about this a long time ago, and she still uses it um, in her daily life. Krista, hello. Um, Tell us a little bit about that because I found it fascinating as well. While we love hearing yes, everybody hates saying it. And why do people hate saying it? Everybody has burned in their brain some experience where somebody got them to say yes and and they conned them. We were talking about this the other day. My son, who's the president of my company, phenomenal negotiator. He still to this day remembers when he was eight years old and someone tricked him into saying yes over something and he lost one of his famous sporting cards. And, And it still bothers him. Everybody's gotten suckered by saying yes. There's an entire business out there where people are buying back timeshares because people have gotten suckered into buying timeshares with this whole yes momentum nonsense. Would you like to travel the world for free? Would you like to stay in luxurious surroundings and never have to pay for it? Would you love to have the freedom to go on vacation whenever you want? And boom, they got a timeshare and now they don't know how to use it and they don't know how to get rid of it. Everybody's been been suckered with this yes momentum at some point in time. So on the other side, saying yes. If you're the negotiating negotiator, you want to sucker someone into saying yes, or long-term does that not work out so well? Well, only if you never want to do business with them again, only if you want them to hate you for the rest of your life. Uh, It's a great short-term strategy. Long-term, it's a great way to put yourself out of business. If you leave that sort of impression with everybody feeling burned by you, you know, you're going to have to go on a witness security program and change your identity if you keep it up long enough. <laughs> so, no, it's not a good thing. I'm curious, what did, what, did, what did your friend say to him to get that prized baseball card? Do you know? All he knows is that he got suckered into yes. And I got to tell you something, in the top drawer of my desk, I still have a coupon book that I bought when I was 17 years old for $25 that was supposed to be worth $50,000 worth of discounts. And I still haven't figured out how to use that stupid coupon book. But would you like to buy everything at uh, 90% off, I think was probably how that pitch started. So, But just, just accept that people have been burned by yes. Everybody has been burned by yes. I think in Africa they have a saying, once bitten by a snake, you're scared of ropes. That's how nervous uh, getting someone to say yes will begin to make them, whether they realize it or not. Now, the stupid thing is, 
people have been conditioned that every time they say no, they protect themselves. So change your yes questions to no. Switch from is now a good time to talk to is now a bad time to talk. Go from do you agree to do you disagree. Um, we, we get sometimes when we ask people if we want an appointment at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, we'll say, would it completely destroy your entire week if we talked at 2 o'clock on Tuesday? Actually, what we get a lot of times is people say, no, no, I can't talk at 2, but I, here's what I can talk. Because saying no made them feel safe. Since they felt safe, they felt like they could collaborate, and they offer us answers after they say no. So it's it sounds crazy, but everybody that starts to do this loves the impact that it has on our lives. Another great question from Jennifer. She asks, in the current environment, how do you avoid negotiating against yourself and professional services? One of our favorite negotiation skills, because it's so simple, is the mirror. That's repeating the last one to three words of what somebody's just said or selected one to three words. Now, it is the simplest skill of all. I mean, there is nothing simpler than those sort of directions. Repeat the last one to three words of what somebody just said. The funny thing I've noticed is people of really high combined IQ and EQ, if their EQ, emotional intelligence is very high, if they're very book smart, boy, they love mirrors. And my, one of my favorite stories over mirrors was a gentleman I was, I was on a conference call with recently, happened to be African-American. He's got twin nine-year-old boys who are smart as whips. And he was saying like, you got to teach my boys because they love the mirror. And so I thought, I said to him, your boys got to be smart because smart people love this. Every time they mirror their mom and it works on their mom, then one of the nine-year-old boys will go, aha, I just mirrored you. <laughs> so you don't go, aha, after you mirror somebody. But the original question is, how do you keep from negotiating with yourself? Get good at mirrors and sprinkle them into the conversation. And you'll find that you don't negotiate against yourself at all because the other side is talking 90% of the time. Do me a favor, Chris, and never teach that lesson to my own kids, okay? I don't need them to uh, turn the mirror on me to, to get more of what they already want. <laughs> um, here is another question. A potential client asks me my rate and price, and I'm not ready. So his question is, what kind of research and decisions should he have made beforehand to negotiate in that moment? Well, he's actually doing research in the conversation. Um, somebody starts pitching rate and price at you really early. Chances are you're the rabbit or you're the competing bid or they're looking for free consulting, especially if they're pushing for price on you earlier. There's a really good chance it's it's probably at least 50-50. It's probably actually closer to 70% chance they're looking to you for a competing bid. And this gets back to this entire proof of life issue that we talked about earlier. Are they, are they looking to do a deal with you or are they looking to do a deal with somebody else and are just trying to drive the price down on the other person with your price? So uh, if it's your gut instinct – uh, and and believe me, it, it should be your gut instinct because it's a case about 70% of the time. Feed it back to them innocently. Uh, say, sounds like you're still gathering information on this. Uh, sounds like you're still in the information gathering stage. That's an observation that they're going to respond to in one way more uh, with more information than the mirror that I was just talking about. Whatever they say, 
to you back as a response to your label and because it sounds like is a label. Then you mirror that and they'll talk some more. They'll give you some more information. If they're just shopping price for you, here's the bad news. And you're not going to like this. They're wasting your time. Say to them, look, it doesn't sound like uh, you're ready to pull the trigger with me right now. Uh, When I'm your preferred vendor, I'll be happy to give you uh, a product, a service, a relationship that you'll never be able to duplicate anyplace else. But until then, I don't think I can help you. That was Chris Voss, a former negotiator for the FBI and the founder and CEO of the Swan Group. He spoke with my colleague Deidre Bosa at CNBC's Small Business Playbook event on August 12th. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information about upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, visit cnbcevents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.